0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Shemurz Day, December fourth, twenty twenty-three. Happy Hanukkah, everyone! On the show today, news, listener questions, then in our main segment, Jim brings us up to date on what's happened and what might happen next in the Chester and Hester's section of DinoLand USA. Let's get started by bringing in the man who doesn't understand the phrase "It's like riding a bicycle," because that's literally the thing we've all crashed the most. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? I,
1: I, the springs to line uh, mindland. The, 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 what is the, the the line to the effect of, you know, what is it? A, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. It's a there bicycle, so, exactly. You know, that, yeah. you know Nancy keeps offering me a bicycle. I don't know what that means. You know.
0: <laughs> I think back to uh, you know uh, to the time that when I was growing up, and I used to go summer uh, spend summers with my grandparents mm-hmm. in Florida, and my grandmother had this fantastic three-wheeled bicycle and you know they they don't look super Mm -hmm. cool they don't go fast Uh, but i gotta tell you that bicycle was the most comfortable bike i've ever been on it was stable had one of those really wide Mm -hmm. seats like you could ride that bicycle across the country and your butt would be absolutely fine every time i look at like uh you know bicycle delivery Mm -hmm. people i'm like why you know if you can't ride a three-wheel bicycle because it's wider Mm -hmm. and you got to get through traffic why not have one of those really big comfy seats Right, it's it, why not? It's like it's like driving in your car without air conditioning. Why? Why
1: not? That's interesting. Anyway. Okay, again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pro big okay, seat. There we big go. Seat, uh, yeah. I like big seats, and I cannot lie. Okay, there we <laughs> go. Cannot lie exactly. All right,
0: all right, Jim. Let's do a quick shout out to our new Patreon subscribers. Thanks to new subscribers Quilty seventeen twenty eight, Brian C, Matthew Escher, and Kara Large, and longtime subscribers Catherine Turner, Florida 0042. Unsupervised, and St. Louis Mouse. Jim, these are the Disney cast members working to integrate another Disney theme park ride into the next Muppets movie. They say they've narrowed it down to Muppets Jungle Cruise, where the Muppets are on a Nat Geo ship with a big Hollywood producer who just loves the
1: puns that Captain Fozzie Bear starts every morning with. True story. And someone needs to let Adam Goldberg know about this idea. He was the the gentleman behind uh, Muppet Mayhem, that which just got canceled after one season. But he, but he <sighs> has said he is still in the Muppet business, so looking for projects. Oh, that's so fantastic! Jungle Cruise, Muppet Jungle Cruise. Let's him make this happen.
0: It, it's fine, and uh, you know we we're, we're we're talking a little bit, but we uh, we actually watched the new Muppet mm-hmm. show at uh, at Jollywood. So we'll we'll uh, talk about yep. that in a second. Folks, just a quick reminder, we're moving the show off of Bandcamp and onto Patreon, beginning with our show next month, January 1st, 2024. We've just released our second video with Imagineer Jim Scholl over on Patreon, and that's on the design of Crush's Coaster in Disneyland Paris. Plus, Jim, I think we've got an exclusive Thanksgiving episode
1: where you and I walk around the Mayflower. Ah. You yes, know, two, two two things. It's yeah, surprisingly easy to bribe a pilgrim. You know, it's just sort of like here, we're like another buckle for your hat. Look the other way. We need to get on the boat. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hey, your patent leather shoes yeah. look great. You know, the the thing,
0: the two things that I came away with from the Mayflower. One, uh, it gets cold very very oh, fast yes. uh, in Massachusetts. But number two, Jim, there aren't sixty people on this mm-hmm. earth. That I would spend a transatlantic voyage on that ship with. There is just no way.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, you know, the, the Lido deck was just not what I expected. So, you know,
0: just nothing. Would've... Anyway, folks, uh, don't forget. Please sign up at uh, Patreon.com/slash Jim Media, and don't forget to close down your Bandcamp subscription after that. On to the news. The news is sponsored by touringplans.com. Touring plans helps you save time and money at theme parks like Walt Disney World. Check us out at touringplans.com. All right, Jim, I mentioned that you and I visited Jollywood Nights last night, uh, what do you think
1: Overall, of it? Overall, you know, I I liked it. I mean, I you know, I I, I think it's it's the first year and you know, mm-hmm. you know, and and we all heard about the 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 first night of Jollywood Nights. Yeah. Christina was
0: on and uh, and mentioned how it
1: did not yeah. go well. Yeah. And I, obviously Disney has has put a lot of time and effort into uh you know, making it and speaking time of effort, I, I you know, I I got to see the What's This, the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, sing-along show. And I have to say, given the fact that they did a Frozen sing-along show in that theater last night at 5.30, and then they did the very first Mm -hmm. uh, Nightmare sing-along just three hours later... The job they did to transform that space, that you know, to change it from Arendelle to uh, you know, to, to Tim Burton country, uh, just astounding. A great, great little show that's fantastic. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned
0: that uh, uh, it was, it was done really, really mm. fast. And I think I, I said I would uh, love to have the coffee uh, uh, concession for the uh, the, the union workers who who did that transformation. Okay. So I'm sure they were up mm-hmm. all night. And what? And uh, so the show that I saw was the one over at the um, Theater mm-hmm. of the Stars,
1: the Muppet yep. uh, variety show. What did you think of that? I, I, well, let's start with the positive: an incredibly hardworking, good-looking cast. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, a, a great live band. Um, but yeah. but I, you know, and and again, I love anything that involves real Muppets on stage. Mm-hmm. But I, I just yeah. felt like that for some reason this one didn't gel. It, it just didn't come together. I mean, great idea, you know, sort of a a riff yeah. on holiday specials from the you know TV specials from the the sixties and the seventies, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I want them to take another run at this next year. So, yeah, I, I think the the same thing. I went in expecting mm-hmm.
0: Muppets. I, I wasn't entirely clear on the premise of it mm-hmm. being a uh, uh, the audience watching a live broadcast mm-hmm. of a 1960s or 1970s Christmas themed variety mm-hmm. show. But I caught on pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Um, a couple of things. One, you mentioned the uh, the, the talented. Cast members who were uh, who were dancing. Yeah, I totally mm-hmm. agree. They um, they came out for the first number dressed in these like skin tight oh, yeah. white outfits. And I turned to the person behind me. I was like, "If I was that skinny and that mm-hmm. talented, I would wear that outfit everywhere. Like you would see me walking down the cereal aisle at Publix, and I would do this dramatic grab of the you know the the Cheerios on the top shelf just so I could do it wow. right. <laughs> like that was that was the thing. Yeah, but I um. The, I thought the the, the mm-hmm. show two things. One, they needed more yep. Muppets. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's there's never such a mm-hmm. thing uh, like too mm-hmm. much Muppet. Um, the other thing though is it, the pacing of the show was kind of choppy. Like, I got the Christmas music yep. stuff, but then they did they brought in um, Tiana for a story about mm-hmm. Tiana, and then um, yep. Belle. And I, you know, I get that Disney has to put their IP in in everything, mm-hmm. um, but that it. It it sort of got away from the Christmas narrative, I think, and
1: you know I was there to see the yeah, mods. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, look, you're not wrong, and and like I said, the, the, there's an idea there. They'll you know, and it, they, yeah, yeah, it's an idea. Yeah, we'll see what you know, we'll see what version two uh, looks no, like. Next and year. Speaking of which, again, that it, <laughs> just based on the souvenir T-shirt you get uh, at uh, Mickey's of Hollywood, uh, it's this is the inaugural. Inaugural year. And so yeah, he'll yeah. be yeah. back.
0: And so. we had, but I, I will say, um, you know, the, the vast majority of the issues that Chrissy had mentioned from opening mm-hmm. night when she was on the show a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, all of those uh, seem to be fixed. In fact, you and I walked around with Christina mm-hmm. yesterday. And uh, I got to say, Jim, yeah, she's my sister. Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, but I am not above teasing her as much mm-hmm. as I can. And so uh, every time I walked by something that, was, that looked good or sounded good, or smelled good, I would tell Chrissy, like, oh my god, this is great. It's way better than I thought. And she would scream from across the walkway, it wasn't like that when I was here on opening night. Like, everything that I thought was good, like, every every decoration, everything, she's like, yeah, that wasn't there. Just, it didn't happen. It wasn't there. And I'm like, are you sure, or did you miss it? <laughs> you sure you came to this thing? Like, it was like this? Yeah, anyway, it was really, really good. It was great to see that, um, yeah, you know, Disney uh, corrected the issues from opening oh, night. I agree. I agree. Uh, so yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would, And also, you know, I forget how good the studios looks at um, night. We were you and Jim Schul and I were walking mm-hmm. through Galaxy's oh, yeah, Edge, yeah, yeah. and man, that place just looks great. And then Toy Story uh,
1: Land yeah, also. I don't know that that's they've done a great job. You know, with the lighting package for that park, and and we were there just at twilight, and it was postcard p- yeah. pretty. Yeah, it looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. So uh, so good job, Disney, recovering uh, for that. So I think uh,
0: um, the rest of the show, the rest of the party nights are selling out pretty quickly. So if you guys want to go, uh, get tickets okay. now. All right, a quick correction based on new data. On a show earlier this fall, I said I wouldn't be surprised if Walt Disney World attendance was down as much as 15% in 2023. Uh, but then Disney said in the days after its last earnings call that hotel occupancy was only down uh, low single digits. So my 15% estimate was probably way too Hmm. high. Sorry about that. Uh, On an upcoming show, I'll go over the math that I used for that estimate. But the basic approach uh, was to look at the average posted wait time for all Walt Disney World attractions in 2023. And then every individual year in the recent past, figure out how many people in line those wait times represents. So you know how many people are in the park at its busiest. And then use that to get a ratio uh, to the AECOM TEA annual attendance mm-hmm. estimates and then do the same thing for 2023 uh that is off and the most likely reason is that the posted wait times uh aren't especially accurate so there's too much noise to use that technique anyway i have a spreadsheet with all of this i'll share it with you guys as soon as i get it cleaned up cool cool all right a late week for the news uh jim uh over thanksgiving mm-hmm. Genie Plus hit its highest price ever in Walt Disney World. It was a little over thirty-seven dollars per person per day with tax at the Magic Kingdom. That equates to one hundred and fifty dollars per day for a family of four. What do you, what do
1: you think the the upper limit is oh, on this? Oh, I. You think it's fifty? I I'm actually afraid that it's fifty because. You know that yeah. that's the problem. Somebody goes home and and tells the story about we had a great time at Disney, but you know we had to pay fifty dollars a day to get, you know, uh, you kind know, of to to, to to avoid the long and, lines. Yeah, yeah, you know that that doesn't again you know, the that narrative's out there already. They don't need you know, yeah. and especially to a nice round number like fifty. You know, just sort of like oof.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot, and a you know. I know that uh, Josh Tomorrow and Bob Iger have um, explicitly addressed the fact that prices have increased dramatically since 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've taken steps like you know getting rid of the overnight parking fee and stuff like that. Um, but they're never getting rid of Genie Plus costing money because that's adding hundreds of millions of dollars to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not going away. I think the best thing that uh, they can do there is uh, make tweaks to it to make it more mm-hmm. useful for the same amount of money. I think that's where we're, where we're headed on that, but there's there's no way it's ever going to be a free again.
1: Okay, you're not wrong, but again, I just I just worry about how you recover from you know the, the, this yeah. is how people talk about their Disney World trip. We had a great time, but yeah. you know, so.
0: yes, it's it's yeah. the but right, yeah, so. and it uh, it makes it difficult for people to give a full throated endorsement of the vacation mm-hmm. when you say you know, and we had to spend yeah. x hundreds of dollars we weren't anticipating. Mm-hmm. When we got there, because we didn't want to wait in you know long lines. So that's tough. anyway. Uh, Jim, two quick mm-hmm. things for Disney Springs. Um, one is we're expecting the mm-hmm. Eat, that's E E T, Indian restaurant at Springs to open any time cool. now, and then uh, Summerhouse in the Lake, which is over on mm-hmm. the west side, should also open this month, according to uh, Disney. So we're going to get two new restaurants to try out hopefully mm-hmm. soon. That should yeah. be great. Looking forward to both of those. All right, uh, on to surveys. Our friend Laura got a survey after visiting Epcot a couple of weeks ago, and this one seemed to focus on food options with roughly two-thirds of the survey space and it's 45 pages worth of screen caps uh, dedicated to questions about dining. And the reason why I mentioned this, Mm -hmm. two things. Uh, One is um, there were some interesting open-ended questions in this survey. Uh, What specific aspects of your dining had a positive impact on your overall experience at Epcot? And then same thing, but a negative Mm -hmm. impact. And I'm, I'm curious here as to... What Disney's looking for, I, I don't think they're going to um, read each of those comments manually, but they might do like a sentiment analysis or a keyword, you know, cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested to see what they're what they're looking for uh, there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Laura had mentioned in her survey that uh, a previous favorite dish was no longer on the menu at one of our mm-hmm. restaurants. So that's you know that's something where you know Disney could address that, but it's not the same thing as. Uh, you know, the prices are too high, right?
1: Oh, no, no, I agree. I just, I guess what's fascinating for me about this is think about it. You Know, uh, what we're hearing Communicor Hall opens, what first quarter 2024 now? I mean, you know, that that,
0: yeah, the well, the, the walking paths are open, should be open imminently, like by the time we the show gets mm-hmm. released, it should be open. But then, yeah, I think, uh, first quarter for the shops and stuff.
1: Well, yeah. I, but I guess what I'm intrigued about is something like this: so what specific aspects of your dining? Um, that's fine-tuning land that's literally we you know we have finished the park you know in fact that that they've they've all but said that that epcot is done we're pivoting to the other florida parks in regard to upgrades and improvements so this is more about okay let's fine-tune the park let's let's make sure the menus are appealing you know the the items that people miss are back or that sort of thing and it's just you know, I right. mean, you you're pivoting away from the steel and concrete. You're going you know, you're now like, okay, you want the brand service back? Got it. So mm-hmm. yeah, right. so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I'm uh, I'm excited to see the walkways mm-hmm. open. Okay. You and me both. Jeez.
0: The uh, the other thing that I loved about the survey that Laura sent in was uh, was this. And uh, Jim, let me remind you that every show should have a round of self congratulations. So <laughs> earlier this year, I mentioned uh, that uh, touring plans research showed that Epcot guests were sometimes confused mm-hmm. about the name of the restaurant they ate at in the Japan Pavilion, leading to lower-than-expected ratings for the high-end Takumi mm-hmm. when it gets mistaken for Teppan Ito, the hibachi place, mm-hmm. right? And, and I said on the show, like, if, if, I, if Touring Plans is seeing this problem, Disney is probably seeing the same mm-hmm. thing. So they should work to clarify it, like, you know, explain what the restaurants are. Lo and behold, Jim... <laughs> the survey that Laura mm-hmm. got uh, says this uh Takumite Japan and then Teppan Ito, Japan it's a table service restaurant where the chef prepares your meal at the table <laughs> <laughs> so in the the interesting thing about mm-hmm. this is they're they're clear, only doing that they're only explaining the mm-hmm. restaurants at Mexico and Japan mm-hmm. like if they when they list the french the french restaurants in France they don't Add text to differentiate, you know, uh, chef de France from anything else. So it's only in the places that we noted were problematic. <laughs> anyway, you're welcome. You're welcome, guys. I hope it works out there for you. <laughs> All right, on to listener questions. Here's one mm-hmm. from Mike. He says, uh, my family recently got back from a five-day trip at Disney World. We went with my wife's friend's family, who has a child with special needs, so we all got to use DAS for a stay, um, and we did Magic Kingdom on Monday, November 6th, and I've never seen it as crowded as it was for that mm-hmm. day when school is still in session. It was a sea of strollers. So my questions are, uh, for Len, uh, was touring plans collecting data for that day, and did it mesh with the predicted mm-hmm. crowds levels, which was a five, and then was this a mm-hmm. fluke? Am I just out of touch? with how crowded the parks Mm -hmm. could be, or is this a sign of changes in the way Lightning Lane is being managed with respect to the standby queue? Thanks for what you guys do, Mike. All right, so uh, a couple of things. November 6th was an Mm -hmm. eight In the Magic Kingdom, we predicted a five, so uh, it was definitely more crowded than Mm -hmm. we thought. I checked the data. There were no major ride outages that would have increased standby wait times Mm -hmm. for that day. Uh, And then I went back and looked at other Mondays uh, in the recent past. A couple of Mondays have been uh, busier than we expected. So November 20th, November 6th, Mm. October 16th, and October 23rd were Mm. busier. Um, But November 13th and October 9th were lower than we expected, and everything else was about the same. Um, Interestingly, we're only seeing um, these higher crowds on Mondays and Wednesdays, Mm. but not any other days of the week. And I think this might be a combination of the party schedule that's going on. Plus, you know, the, all the ticket incentives that, uh, that Disney has, especially for locals, mm-hmm. people making maybe a three-day weekend okay. um, out of visiting Walters World. You know, that said, um, Lightning Lane use is definitely impacting standby mm-hmm. waits. Uh, um, and I, we've suspected, we've talked about this on a previous show, that Daz might have something to do with it. So I went back and looked. Jim, do you remember the, um, the special needs lawsuit? It was uh, AL versus Walt Disney Parks and Resorts from, like, 2019, 2018. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So the the testimony, mm-hmm. uh, the, the trial testimony in that it's publicly available, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Bruce Laval was uh, one of the guys that they, they actually got as an expert witness, and he had some interesting quotes mm-hmm. in there. Um, so this good dates back to 2013, but it's a representative, you know, sort of look at how— uh, Daz and uh, the guest assistance mm-hmm. card was used. So uh, Disney points out that um, 3% of the guests in the park had a guest assistance card mm-hmm. in 2013. That 3% of guests used 30% of a popular ride's capacity. They didn't say which ride, but uh-huh. 3% of guests, 30% of uh, a ride's capacity. Mm-hmm. And Disney's estimate was that um, that doubled the weight, the standby mm-hmm. weight for non- uh, guest assistance card guests at popular attractions. Wow. So let's let's do yeah. the math. Uh, the studios averaged uh, just over 28,000 people mm-hmm. a day. Uh, attendance in 2013, according to AECOM, uh, 3% of that number is roughly 848 people. Uh, let's say the popular ride was the Toy Story mini attraction pre-third track, mm-hmm. which had a capacity of around 1,000 people mm-hmm. per hour. And let's say the park was open for 12 hours a day. So Toy Story Mania could serve 12,000 guests per day. 30% of that capacity was going to guest assistance cards or 3,600 rides. So everyone with a guest assistance card was either riding Toy Story Mania four times or every person with a guest assistance card rode with a group of four. Disney isn't clear on whether the 3% of guests that had a guest assistance card was the entire group or just the one person. Uh, and uh, there's no way that they're going to answer that question for me. Either way, um, allocating 30% of a ride's capacity to either four or 12% of park guests uh, is a lot, and would definitely affect mm-hmm. the experience um, of the remaining guests. And actually, Disney acknowledged this somewhat mm-hmm. in a November 7th, 2023 Business Insider article. I saw this. Yeah, go on. This is mm-hmm. the one where they. Yeah, this is the one where Disney banned third-party tour mm-hmm. services. And uh, the Disney spokesperson said that there had been an uptick in abuses of the DAS service and other mm-hmm. services, which impede park operations. But then they declined to provide any documentation around it. So, mm. I mean, okay. here's yep. the thing. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I've, I've talked mm-hmm. to you about this. One, one day we counted... Um, The number of people getting in in the lightning lane lines at popular attractions. And at Haunted Mansion, like at 11 a.m. one day, we counted 1,500 people getting in the standby line and 1,500 people getting in the lightning lane Mm -hmm. line. 1,500 people is a lot. Um, And here's why. As far as we can tell, um, Disney only allocates about 300 slots per hour for Genie Plus in an attraction, Mm -hmm. even the Haunted Mansion. It's actually slightly less mm-hmm. than that, but three hundred is a is a good number to make the math easy. So let's say fifteen hundred people got in that line, and I know that because we counted mm-hmm. them. Um, but three hundred of them had Genie Plus. That means twelve hundred people were either using some version of Rider Swap, Daz, or you know VIP tours. And actually, we counted VIP tours um, the days that we did this, and there were zero mm-hmm. going into Haunted Mansion. So the the twelve hundred remaining people, or three fourths of everyone that used. Um, the lightning lane was not using genie plus and probably had to be daz that that seems like a lot of people in an hour yeah and again going back to going back to you know genie plus being $37 per person mm-hmm. per day uh, in the magic kingdom again $150 for a family of four y- you you kind of see the perverse incentive there right
1: i do i do but but yeah. at the same time i mean you know I, I, the third rail here you know the notion of people who are you know you know mi- you know misusing DAS or taking advantage of DAS yeah. is that face it if you're dealing with somebody you know uh, you know not all physical handicaps or, or you know uh, physical challenges not are a, visible
0: n- not all challenges are apparent yeah, yeah there are non non apparent disabilities yeah. right and, yeah and,
1: no this is this is the thing yeah so how do you deal with an uptick it, it abuses in abuses and something that you know this is a difficult conversation to have at any one time
0: yeah and and all you got to do is get get is deny somebody wrongly yeah. once for the you know for the publicity mm-hmm. uh, machine to uh, to kick in so yeah I mean Disney's in a difficult spot here you gotta you gotta no, feel for you that. Do. Our next question is from mm-hmm. Alex, uh, who says, uh, hey, Jim mm-hmm. and Len, so much of the development of Epcot rested on finding sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, Alex is plugging uh, our friend uh, Kevin's defunct land newest documentary, mm-hmm. which touches on this. Um, uh, Alex continues and says, it makes sense for Epcot when the park was meant to be a World Expo and Disney was a much smaller company. But now Disney's huge and they can fund their own attractions. Does Disney still look for corporate sponsors for attractions? And why would a company choose to bankroll? An attraction for Disney today. So I actually did some okay. math on this, uh, mm-hmm. Alex. So great mm-hmm. question. Disney's currently 48th in the Fortune uh, 500. Mm-hmm. Stock value is $183 billion. Mm-hmm. Annual revenue is $83 billion, And the last year's profit was $3.1 billion. I mean, let's say that uh, it's $20 million to sponsor a new attraction. That's less than 0.7% of Disney's annual mm-hmm. profit. So, you know, what, what's the rationale for looking for sponsors when you could just open the ride earlier, put individual lightning lane on it, and then not have to put up with a third-party company telling you how to design mm-hmm. your rides, right? I mean, Disney's got to look at that, right, Jim? This, we could. This is true. We can, th- yeah, we could, we could charge mm-hmm. uh, individual lightning lane prices here, and then we don't have, you know, uh, you know a, a car company telling us that we need bigger tail fins on our uh, animatronic mm-hmm. vehicles, right? the the problem is is that it's 20 million dollars and Disney will put up with a lot for that much mm-hmm. money especially if it's the difference between green letting a ride and having to think about no. it right
1: yeah i mean yeah. i i mean face it the the math for theme parks or, or for that matter uh entertainment in general has changed i mean just what uh yeah. you know in the past month where we've seen the box office of the marvels and for example disney's wish that just opened over thanksgiving uh the numbers were wanting but the number one thing that people said when they were asked about both of these projects it's like oh yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm going to watch it I'm on disney plus yeah. you know and uh, you know yeah. just uh, and, and, and in a weird sort of way they you know, when you think about how theme parks changed when uh, FastPass came about, and you had to reconfigure your your entrances, and now here we are with with Genie Plus and, and and this massive revenue stream, and and you're retrofitting how to deal with the guests after the fact uh, to you know, to take advantage of this revenue stream I and. Mean, and, and the very thing you were just talking about about if you think about the, the folks who are in line at the mansion who are watching the lightning lane people breeze through and it's like that's also coloring the story that they come home for vacation with as well you know I paid all this money to get into the park and I stood in line and watch people walk by me and it's like mm. so hmm.
0: yeah there, there's, a, uh, there's a challenge there but uh, you know I think one of the things that individual lightning lane should mm-hmm. do is uh, get us bigger attractions faster in yeah. theory because the payback time for building an attraction is so much shorter so that might be the one upside of uh, individual lighting. Oh, and, you know, assuming that uh, Disney doesn't decide to just uh, not build any attractions and keep capacity the same. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Is but, true. Yeah, great yep, question though. Yep. Alright folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim gives us the latest hot goss on Chester and Hester's at Dinoland USA.
1: We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. There's no place like home for the holidays, especially when it comes to siblings who don't quite know what to get you for Christmas. Case in point, my sister Andrea, who I love, by the way. Every year, she always gets me some sort of elaborate, immense piece of cookware. High-quality stuff, mind you. But since I have a kitchen that's the size of a postage stamp, I I always struggle when it comes to where exactly I'm going to place or or store my latest gift from her. Last year, it was a fry pan the size of an aircraft carrier. Which, I'm not going to lie, is a teensy bit stressful. But if we're all being honest here, the holidays can be a stressful time. People mean well, but the demands that are placed on you emotionally this time of year can sometimes be a bit much. And if that's how you're starting to feel now that the holidays are upon us, well, why not consider a gift that you can actually give to yourself, which is therapy? And if you're thinking of starting therapy, well, why not give BetterHelp a try? BetterHelp is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Look, folks, the holiday season can be a bleak time for some. Me, personally? I had a tough couple of Christmases in the late 90s right after my divorce, but therapy gave me the tools I needed to navigate that tough time in my life. And it can do the same for you. So as we head into the season of giving, make sure that you yourself get what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Disney Dish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com Disney Dish we thank them for sponsoring today's show. And we're back. All right, uh, Jim, mm-hmm. you and I talked last week about,
0: uh, briefly offline, about how Josh DeMauro, uh mentioned, oddly
1: enough, uh, Animal Kingdom at the Hong Kong Disneyland uh, opening did. of the he, New he, World of Frozen. Yeah, you know, that, that you travel all that way to talk about, you know, the World of Frozen, which just opened at Hong Kong Disneyland, and here are people peppering you with questions about that $60 billion uh, that supposedly going to be invested in the Disney uh, parks over the next decade. Yeah. And um, what was fascinating is, that here's Josh, you know, ready to talk up the kingdom of Arendelle, and they're like, what about that piece of concept art? You know, the, the thing that showed uh, Encanto and Indiana Jones going into Animal Kingdom. And um, Josh was surprisingly frank. You know, he talked about. Look, I was fortunate enough to run that theme park, Disney's Animal Mm -hmm. Kingdom, so I know how special it is. And it's and Disney's Animal Kingdom is about exploration and adventure. And I think that there are a lot of stories that we can tell here. Uh, those that explore new properties but still stay true to Animal Kingdom. Um, now, he then went on to qualify this by saying, now, mind you, as we make our way through the development process on on this part of the theme park, is some of the ideas that we shared at Destination D23, and that's where the, that piece of concept art was first shared, right. uh, some of these will become real and some of them will not. And when those decisions are made, we'll then uh, reveal what we're actually going to do at Animal Kingdom. But this time around, you know, I wanted to take our guests along with us on the journey. So it's like, that's a lot of qualifiers, Len. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So but. You know, it, I,
0: I like I like the fact that they're trying something new with the uh, with the approach instead of just trying to keep it all under wraps. Oh no no I get they're, that. because uh, that. that stuff leaks eventually right. Oh. Uh, it's the idea of uh, you know we're going to bring you through this and uh, the other thing I think is you know they've they've already said that most of the work. Or most of the spending on that sixty billion is mm-hmm. going to happen in the second half of the decade. We talked about this on a previous show mm-hmm. so they they need to keep us updated on what they're doing so it doesn't look like they've completely f- forgot oh. about theme parks
1: and I think again, one of the reasons that this came up at the at in Hong Kong was because remember we had two. Pieces of concept art, you know, within a year. We had one version of, of what they were going to do with Dino Land USA where it yeah. was Moana and Zootopia. And then for mm-hmm. the very next D23 event, we have, you know, something that shows in Kanto and, uh, Indiana you know, Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. And it's also important to understand that you a Dino Land USA was different already when when Animal Kingdom first opened in April 1998, and uh, and you know we won't don't need to get into that you know dinosaur the the ride was once countdown to extinction, and yep. you know that simulator was open in the park a full two years before the movie it was based on, uh, you know, finally <laughs> showed up in theaters. And, and by the way, a quick aside here. It was nice to see Aldara the Iguanodon get some love, both in that Once Upon a Time or Once Upon a Studio uh, feature, as well as in the end credits of Wish. He's he's, he's there. Oh, nice. Yep. But um, also important to remember that when Animal Kingdom first opened, there was no Chester and Hester's dinorama. There was only their dinosaur Treasures store, which according to the backstory that the Imaginers cooked up, uh, Chester Hester took this this seldom used Sinclair gas station that was without- <laughs> You know, you know why it's Sinclair, right? Oh no, no, that's it exactly. I I, I loved that detail. You know, the uh, lens referring to the fact that Sinclair is the. Is the 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 gas chain that has well, depending on how old you are, that's an apatosaur or a brontosaurus on their sign. Right. You know, so. yeah, it's their, it's their corporate
0: symbol was the was the dinosaur. It's kind of great.
1: There we go, but um, but yeah, the uh, this sort of fit in with the the backstory that the Imagineers cooked up for all of Dinosaur Land that. Uh, back in '47, this was a backwater, a uh, little backwater town in Diggs County. Uh, there was, and, and literally in in this part of the town, there was only an old, lightly used fishing lodge, which now is a restaurantosaurus, mm-hmm. and again, the, the Sinclair gas station. So, but then paleontologists find this amazing cache of bones. Uh, graduate students from all over the country come to Diggs County to help unearth these treasures. And there are so many skeletons that, you know, this is going to be a decades-long project. And the grad Mm -hmm. students report back to their, their, their colleges and universities, and a generous benefactor comes forward and funds the creation of the Dino Institute. Uh, and Yeah, that's the best summary of what uh, Land is supposed to be,
0: I think, that I've ever heard. We should, <laughs> we, we should just record that one segment and, get, get, and hand, 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 hand it, it over at, and over again. Every,
1: there we go. Hand it out to people. Hand it out there. to
0: people who are coming over the bridge from there we go. Uh, Discovery okay. Island. Exactly. Yeah, you know, let me, this has an impressive backstory. Let me tell you about it. There you All
1: go. Right. Now, but again, uh, uh, to go back to our seldom-used gas station here, Chester and Hester see an opportunity. They take it. They turn this into a, a roadside attraction. You know that that, that mm-hmm. it, but and again with even more people coming to the area. Well, let's expand our dinosaur treasures into a really for real right roadside attraction, which gets us to uh, dinorama. But uh, Len, I have to ask, did you ever make it into what previously occupied dinorama, the the dinosaur jubilee? No, was that the that was the tent thing, right? There we go. This was, was... no, never, never did it. Okay, Florida's version of Holiday Land, a, a you know something that was junk a, housed in a giant tent like structure, and inside were all of these uh, supposedly all of these amazing finds that all the graduate students had dug up. Uh, now, mind you, what was on display here, uh, which was really impressive, uh, weren't actual really real dinosaur skeletons. They were casts of prehistoric fossils and not only that Disney had made arrangements with the Black Hills Institute and the Tribold oh. Paleontology Company um uh, and you know for some of the items that were on display there and and a lot of folks will remember Stan the Tyrannosaurus Rex um and Stan Stan yep um it it's kind of a tradition to to name the, you know, it. it I, I don't know if you're familiar, for example, with Sue, uh, which... I, I know Sue. Uh, I
0: didn't know Stan. Well, there, there we go. Sort of, all right. Does the naming they, convention uh, begin all the Tyrannosaurus Rex names with the letter S?
1: Well, actually, no. It, it, it's yeah. to the effect of the first name of whoever, you know, did, you know, made the initial discovery. So, Oh, cool. Right, and, and what was kind of sad in Stan's case, uh, he was found in 87, and... At that time, he seventy percent of his bones were recovered. He was the most complete wow. Tyrannosaurus, you know, uh, skeleton. But the re- the reason you remember Sue, she was unearthed in August of nineteen ninety, and they found ninety percent of her bones. So Stan was wow. thrown into eclipse. Yeah, seventy uh, percent. Please, uh, you know, oh, we'll give hell. that to the interns. There we go. <laughs> All right. But here is the interesting thing. Back in October two thousand twenty. Uh, Someone paid $31.8 million for Stan at auction, uh, making him the most expensive dinosaur fossil ever sold. And then in March of last year, we learned that Abu Dhabi's uh, Department of Culture and Tourism uh, was going to make Stan the showpiece at a uh, brand new Museum of Natural History. That's scheduled to open in that country in 2025. So, you know, I I just I love that, you know, that that, that Disney World to Abu Dhabi for a creature that's been dead for over 65 million years. You know, is is now worth 32 million dollars. Yeah, you know, that stands moving up in the world. Um, Anyway, uh, Diamond Jubilee, very short lived. Uh, Walk to attraction closes December of 2000. Uh, and then in January of the following year, tent comes down, stand gets packed up, uh, and, you know, the prep begins for Chester and Hester's dinorama. And uh, that area opened March of 2002. Uh, and, Len, ever since this is open, Disney fans have complained that Chester and Hester Dinerama looks cheap. Cheap,
0: uh, yeah. It it looks like a roadside attraction that that was uh, that was made seventy years ago. Yeah. Well,
1: but here's the thing: the Imagineers put a lot of time and effort into making that look <laughs> authentic. That that whole yeah. seventy year old, you know, uh, uh, thing. And uh, you know, yeah. so and while Primeval World and Triceratops may have looked like off the shelf carnival rides, they weren't. That 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 right. a lot of customization, a lot of Disney exclusive detailing. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the things that we uh, we learned when we talked to to Jim Scholl as we walk around.
0: Oh yeah, uh, the parks is like there's no such thing as a custom ride at Disney. No 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 uh, no, no, no. And 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 you know his 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 thing about uh, I think you've said it before. It's like it takes a lot of money to make something look cheap.
1: There we go. There we go. I yeah. always loved that yeah. Dolly Parton joke. So all right. Yeah. A- anyway, um, okay. Uh, again, just have to underline, circle, and indent here. Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama was not cheap to build. Uh, More to the point, Walt Disney Company fast-tracked this project because Animal Kingdom at that time desperately needed additional capacity and attractions Mm -hmm. that it could operate after dusk you know i mean face oh, it right, yeah. you know kilimanjaro animals on the kilimanjaro safari are, are postal workers they they're taught it's a, it's dusk i'm going back to the barn to get a snack yeah. you know it's like yeah um, and this is uh this is in the days
0: before pandora and oh, uh, before yeah. the attempts at uh, nighttime kilimanjaro safaris as well so yeah they needed something after dark yeah
1: no now, now uh, the other interesting side note here is event planners at walt disney world love and still love dinorama uh, as far as they're concerned it's a great venue for corporate events. Uh, you can roll bars and temporary food setups out immediately. I mean the end of the area is asphalt you know uh, you know and more to the point you know that there's a it, do you know what that gate off to the right at the main entrance at Animal kingdom that they can throw up? Uh, you know, or throw open, and you basically have immediate access to uh, a Dinosaur the Ride, and likewise. I mean, you can walk straight into uh, to Dino Land, uh, Dino Land USA DinoRama without having to cross the bridge, go to the Tree of Life, hang the right, and walk back down. Um, you know, they love that, uh, but uh, and and that's the thing: they can take a group that's had a meeting. At, say, you know, for example, uh, what is it? Coronado Springs or over at Dolphin and Swan, yeah. throw them on the buses, drive them right up to the entrance of Animal Kingdom in five minutes that they've been walked into the park, they're playing carny games, they're knocking back drinks, they're spinning around Triceratops, they're, everybody's happy. Um, hmm. on the other hand, the Encanto land that's been proposed for the same area at the park, um while that is being seen as a win for day guess not so much for event planners you know for example (laughs) was talking with somebody who was like oh god yeah they're gonna they're gonna do cobblestone streets you know do do you know what that's gonna do to the bar carts when we roll them out from
0: you
1: know how many bottles are gonna fall off Um, and, and, and again that's the thing about Dynorama it was so event friendly Um, But look, handwriting has been on the wall since Primeval World closed in July of 2020. Uh, That change was in the works for this side of the part. Uh, And, uh, you know, and this comes on the heels of attempts being made to make, you know, this part of Animal Kingdom more appealing to kids. I mean, you remember the the donald's dino bash uh yeah yeah and parts of it are parts of it are
0: still there with the um uh with the character
1: greetings yeah there we go uh, but that opened in may of 2018 and that yeah.
0: came on it the was a he- uh, go ahead
1: yeah okay well i do it, it came on the heels of the 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 success of the ducktales reboot which which had right. started airing on the disney channel in august of 2017 so think about that they got that up and running in nine months, it was like they like these characters. Let's put them in this yeah. space.
0: Um, the, 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 thing I, the thing I liked about that, though, was they mm-hmm. the way that they tied it into Dinoland, mm-hmm. uh, noting that uh, chickens are the uh, genetic ancestors or the genetic uh, descendants of uh,
1: dinosaurs. I, I, I have to admit, I I, I, I thought that, that that was an interesting way in. So yeah, yeah no, uh, you know, I'll I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But all right. And likewise, to be completely honest, during the pandemic, the fact that a high to high high touch area like the boneyard uh, that yeah. became an operational nightmare, land. You know, there there was just not enough hand sand sanitizer in the world to keep that thing germ free. So yeah, I mean, that, that, be, it, there's not only is there not enough hand sanitizer, but you really need a flamethrower. Oh
0: God, coming at the end. You, okay. A little bit of the sand turns
1: to glass, Jim. Yeah. But but sand is cheap. <laughs> there, there you go. Okay, so here we are, and there is no official word yet on when Dinoland Land USA and Chester and Hester's Dynorama, uh go down for their reimagining. Now, mind you, the concept art that Josh Jamero was being asked about, uh, you know, the, the stuff that was shown at D23 uh, Destination D, uh, mm-hmm. clearly showed that both Restaurantosaurus and Dinosaur Treasure buildings will remain standing in place, that they, their oh. exterior are going to be retooled to fit the village that the Madrigal family lives in. So... Um, and again, we were talking earlier part of the show about how Communicore Hall is supposed to open at Epcot uh, first quarter of 2024, maybe a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But where this gets interesting is that I, what I'm being told is the cast members who work in Animal Kingdom in Dinoland USA and at Chester and Hester's Dinarama uh, are supposedly going to be offered... Positions uh, oh. over at comical Hall uh because imme- supposedly immediately after that opens uh the construction fences will go up inside of uh, this part of animal kingdom so um,
0: wow so thats uh that, so you think this uh that uh, Chester and Hester's is going to be one of the first projects that we see part of that 60 billion dollars
1: being spent on well i you know the, again remember you're, you're not talking about a a greenfield project you're talking about uh pre-existing buildings that you know a lot of infrastructure that's going to be left in place um so it's it's an affordable expansion mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. a, a reimagining of the park Which remember, as you mentioned, given that the bulk of that money is being spent in the second five years of that decade, you know, the notion is you kind of you got to walk before you can run, and uh, I I guess that the thing that concerns me is that um, you know this whole side of the park goes down, you know, and uh, you know I I I wonder if they're they're going to. Create sort of a, an umbilicus that allows people to get back to to Dinosaur the Ride while they're working on the Madrigal Village. And then, uh, you know, once that opens, maybe that will then get walled off and become indie. But it's um, it's going to be interesting to see what the batting
0: order here is. Yeah, the, um, the walkway in, so there's two ways into Dinoland, right? One from Asia, one from Discovery Island. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, uh, it, it seems like if they start working on the Chester and Hester's area first, mm-hmm. that the, a lot of the walkway might be blocked off to mm-hmm. Asia, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to your point, they've also got that, um, that area right by the entrance mm-hmm. of the park where you could open up that door and sort of uh, um, walk everyone over to Dinoland that way, which would be really interesting from a touring perspective mm. because uh, you can't go directly to Expedition Everest from that. You'd have to go back to the front of the park.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, there, there'd be some some operational uh, challenges there. But, uh, but, Jim, while we're talking about challenges, mm-hmm. let me just throw this idea out for Disney. Mm-hmm. When when it comes time to redo this section of Dinoland, hmm Here's my suggestion, and then I'll tell you why. My suggestion is this: okay. dig a giant pit in the middle of DinoLand, and throw everything in there. Whether it's <laughs> whether it listen listen whether it's the old primeval world thing, whether it's the old rides, whether it's fake dinosaurs, whether it's fake dinosaur bones, and then covered up. Because in a couple hundred years, when people go, when people uh, start excavating this and doing archaeology on it. Everything's going to be so mixed up, it's going to screw up the geological record for Central Florida for years to come, <laughs> <laughs> providing jobs for academics as long as they want. And that's really what I'm after here, Jim. Okay, there we go. There we go. That's how I got tenure. Yeah, that's
1: like that's Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know,
0: 300 years from now, we're going to be like, you know, but we found this podcast, and okay. we have to thank them, because it was okay. a great okay. idea. Okay. <laughs> Alright right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today You can help support our show by subscribing over at patreon.com slash where we're posting exclusive shows every week and with every show we release we have multiple follow-up videos that include answers to questions y'all send in also special longer director's cut editions uh, of every show and lots more mm-hmm. On next week's show we're going to talk about how Epcot's Listen to the Land became Epcot's Living with the Land mm-hmm. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com And more of me, led at touringplans.com. All right. uh, Last thing, we are deeply saddened to report that our producer, Aaron Adams, passed away unexpectedly last week. We are heartbroken. Mm -hmm. Aaron was a good friend who always made time to answer our questions and make us sound good. So whatever success this show has had is due to Aaron as much as Jim or me. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, Aaron was a great guy who loved music and radio, and our thoughts are with Aaron's wife, Sabrina, and his family. As you all know, we write custom producer credits for the end of every show, partly because it was Aaron's suggestion to end the show on a funny note, and mostly because taking the time to come up with something special shows how much we appreciate Aaron. It's kind of our love language. Uh, Over the years, a surprising number of you have written in to say that you've attended events we said Aaron was going to, And we also got more than a few emails from people saying, can we meet Aaron at one of these events? And my answer to those emails was always the same. Aaron may not be there with you in person, but rest assured, Aaron is there with you in spirit. And I think that's how I'm going to remember Aaron from now on. With that, Mm -hmm. here's the last producer credit we wrote for Aaron before all of this happened. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be singing the Journey classic Stone in Love as the Blackjacket Symphony recreates Journey's multi-platinum escape album in its entirety and then Journey's greatest hits on Saturday, February 3rd, 2024, for the 9 p.m. show only at the Mark C. Smith Concert Hall on Monroe Street in beautiful downtown Huntsville, Alabama. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and Raider show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.